Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks. We're going to dedicate the entire show to the quarterback class. But first, let's bring in our guest. We would like to welcome App State quarterback and this year's NFL draft prospect, Zach Thomas, to our show. Zach, thank you for coming on with us. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. Zach, you have to settle a debate for us right off the bat. How do you pronounce your school's name correctly? Is it Appalachian State or is it Appalachian State? Settle this debate for us. It's Appalachian State. And up there in the mountains, if you pronounce it wrong, people do not like it. All right, let's talk about your uh, preparation for the NFL draft. Uh, what have you been focusing on the most during the, the preparation period, during your training? Yeah, during training, um, really, we're just focusing on speed. Just um, with quickness, um, whether that was start, first and five, just planning, um, trying to get more explosive, um, and then really hard on fundamentals of quarterback play, um, trying to be better at the quarterback position. Um, as you know, obviously it can be a very difficult position to learn, um, but just trying to get better, uh, trying to master your craft, as you could say. Who were you training with before the pro day? Uh, what was the, the training center where you were at? Um, I was up in New Jersey training at test training facility um, and then working with a quarterback coach by the name of Tony. So how did that go? Did they give you a lot of, you know, valuable advice that you can take further in, into your career? Yeah, absolutely. The test facility did a fantastic job just harping on the little things, trying to get you better in every step of your life, honestly. Getting you really to focus on the nutrition part of football and to fuel your body, obviously, to where you can perform at the best. And then just whether that was on the 40 starts and anything that we did like that, they really harped on all the the smaller details, um, and then when it came to Coach Tony as the quarterback position, he really harped on the little details to make you more accurate, to make you quicker in the pocket and whatnot. Yeah, they pick out the little things that you don't really focus on when you're in college, uh, and they harp on those things to get you better. Well, let's talk about your your big day, Zach. Obviously, I'm talking about the pro day. How would you grade your performance? How did you do in the athletic drills? Were you happy with the throwing session? Running-wise, uh, basically when we got the test um, in the beginning of January, we had a mock pro day, so we set numbers. Um, obviously, that was our first week there, so obviously the numbers were not as good as they were whenever we left. And at the end of it, uh, pro day, I peeled everything um, running-wise besides the 5 I could have been a little better on the 5 5 um, And then throwing, that was probably one of the best throwing outings I had put out. And then being in front of scouts, that was just awesome. The ability to go out there and throw like that. Um, so to say the least, I walked on the field with a smile on my face. You've been hitting the All-Star circuit after the season ended. You you played at the Tropical Bowl in Orlando, then you went to CGS and in Texas. How would you describe those experiences? Tell us about it. Experiences were great. Um, it was just it was a chance for you to get in front of scouts and for them to see you face-to-face. 
um, and put a name with your body type um, and see what you had and it was a chance for you to see the scouts and have face-to-face interaction because, as you know, COVID, obviously you couldn't have those face-to-face reactions and uh, everything was done online and was a chance for you to basically get out there and perform in front of scouts. And they both did a great job, whether that was the CGS or the Tropical Bowl, they did a great job of allowing scouts to come out um, for, for them to watch us uh, to perform and so, yes, um, both of them were great and was very glad that I got the opportunity to participate in them. You also were like the offensive MVP at the Tropical Bowl, right? You won that award. Yes, sir. And you were also invited to NFLPA Bowl and the East-West Shrine Game. Obviously, those events were virtual events. So tell me about how different was that, I mean, going on, on Zoom and, and having those meetings. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, obviously, you know, I wish I could have got to play on at least one of those games because obviously those are big games and that's something as a child, you know, you grow up watching those games and you kind of want to play in those games. But, you know, it's it's what we live in right now and it was so good to be able to go in there and have meetings. Um, we got to break out into sessions and meet a lot of professional athletes um, and hear their story and hear what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. So at the same time, we didn't get to play in the game, but it was still a good time for us. Um, to learn, to take notes, and just build on what they're telling us. You were born and raised in Alabama, but you wound up at Appalachian State. Why did you choose the Mountaineers? Really for the culture of football. Appalachian State and Boone, North Carolina is all about the football, and it's a football town, and everyone loves football, and they win a lot of football games. And I wanted to be a part of a winning tradition and just go in there and win a lot of championships. Tell us about your win over North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl this past season. Yeah, I mean, we went out with a bang. Um, is all you can really say to that one. It was good. Um, as the last game, you know, you always want to go out with a finish, um, finish strong, and that's what we did. We went out um, and beat North Texas and won another bowl game in my career. You know, we never lost a bowl game, so um, we went out on top. As the career ended, um, nothing else I could have asked for uh, that I'd rather have happened. Zach, you obviously had a stellar career at Appalachian State. You've earned a lot of accolades during that career. You've won 32 games as a starting quarterback. You won four Sun Belt Conference championships, two of them as the starting quarterback. When you look back on it, what is your best memory about the time with the Mountaineers? I mean, I made some great relationships that will last for forever. Won a lot of football games, won a lot of championships, but... Um, my favorite memory at App State was my first start at Penn State. That was my favorite game that I played in. And it was just a time for me to prove myself, not only to the coaches, but to the fans. And it was just a great opportunity for me, and that's somehow I always turned. Zach, I remember that game. You guys had a 14-point lead, then Penn State came back. They won in overtime. You guys were so close to beat another Big Ten team. And the reason why I say another Big Ten team is because we all remember App State beating Michigan back in the day when they were an FCS program. Uh, describe that game, just being out there uh, against the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I mean, it was surreal. Obviously, being an underdog, I think that plays in App State favor whenever you're going into a big-time opponent like that. Um, those are the kind of games that we strive for, and those are the games that we want. And, you know, we went into a game knowing that we could compete. And once we saw... What we were doing was actually kind of working. You know, we got a good feeling around us, and everything started clicking. So it was just 
it was an awesome time for us. It was an amazing time. Obviously, you know, we wish we could have won the game, but at the end of the day, I think as a team and as a program, that really helped us that year. How does being a three-year starter at App State um, prepare you for the NFL? I went through three head coaching changes, three offensive coordinators. I've seen a lot of football. I've learned a lot of football. I've learned a lot of knowledge, and I think it's really helped me um, to get to this stage in my life. It's prepared me to be prepared for the NFL, just ready to get after it at this point. I'm putting on a lot of work for this, and now about to see it pay off, so that's what we're ready for. What is the biggest attribute that you would bring to an NFL team? I think it's just the competitive nature I have. You know, I've always been a competitor, whether that was when I was a kid or whether that was when my last game I had. I've always been a competitor, and I always will be. And I think that's something that a lot of people can see on film whenever you look at games, and that's just something that I will always um, hold dear to me. What do you think is the key to proper footwork as a pocket passer? Um, I think it's just being quick and not trying to overstride, um, putting your feet in the ground, delivering the ball. Uh, whenever you try to get too fancy or trying to get too big, trying to do too much, um, as some could say, you, that's when you start making the fundamental mistakes and that's when you start missing the ball higher or low. So just being sound, um, not being slow, but not being fast, um, just getting your feet under you and delivering the ball. Who is one NFL quarterback that you watch film on? I watched a lot of film on Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen just to see how they recognize the defense and see the way they make throws. I mean, they do some unbelievable things as a quarterback and just seeing the way that they um, compete to win. Um, that's just something that I've always um, looked up to, and that's who I kind of started modeling my game after. Zach, thank you for being with us. Good luck on draft day. Yep, thank you all. All right, Ed. I've been waiting for this for the entire week. I wanted you to reveal your top 10 quarterbacks in this draft class. So let's start with number 10. Number 10, I got Brady White. He's a quarterback from Memphis. Uh, senior, four years of production. He's 6'3", 210 pounds. He's six in yards passing, 31 touchdown passes. He's a pro-style quarterback. Uh, four-star recruit out of high school. Actually threw more touchdown passes at Memphis than Paxton Lynch. Um, what I like about him is he's effective in the red zone. He has very good accuracy as a pack pocket quarterback. He's a good student in the classroom. He was loyal to coach Mike Norvell as he followed him from ASU to Memphis. Um, very good offenses at Memphis. Um, so, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that I uh, I value. All right, let's continue. Number nine, I got Ian Book, quarterback from Notre Dame. He's very strong pocket awareness, good accuracy. Good technique with a strong base. Needs a quicker internal clock, but he he was a guy who led the Irish to the college football playoff. He's got 15 touchdowns to two interceptions uh, in 2020. 2,600 yards passing. Um, you know he had about a 60% completion percentage his whole career. He's six foot, 206 pounds. Um, a little bit smaller for a quarterback, but I think he was still effective for the Notre Dame Irish. You know Ian Book drives me crazy. He really does, because at times you see flashes of it, but you don't see it on a consistent basis. I realize that he's won a lot of games for the Fighting Irish. I mean, he's the winningest quarterback in, in Notre Dame's history, and they've had some really yeah, think good about quarterbacks that for a in the past. He's won a lot of games. Him and Brian Kelly have been like a great duo, no doubt about it. He's a winner, 
and he gets it done and his record speaks for itself but don't you think like he doesn't do enough from the pocket like he bails out quite a bit he loves throwing the ball on the run I mean that's where he feels more comfortable when he breaks contain and and gets outside the pocket in the NFL that's not gonna work I mean that's like backyard football when people were excited about Johnny Manziel when he was coming out and this is what he did back in the day at Texas A&M and that didn't work Ian Book is kind of a similar quarterback don't you think I mean he just he doesn't threaten you inside the pocket I think I think maybe the the problem with him is that maybe he holds the ball too long maybe if you know if I get him in an NFL offense I really work on making him make quicker decisions I think that's really the issue well he's gonna take way too many sacks I mean he's gonna be running for his life he doesn't have the biggest arm but you don't have to be but if you want to be accurate you have to throw the ball with anticipation. He just lacks that. He, he doesn't have that at all. I mean, the guy has to be like open by a mile if Ian Book is going to throw him the ball. He doesn't fit the ball into tight spots. His future is a lot more gloomy, in my opinion, or his prospects in the NFL. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Ian Book. Never have been. Number Let's eight, continue. I got Kellen Mond, uh, you know, quarterback from Texas A&M. Uh, he's a senior uh, 6'3", 217 pounds, four years of good production at Texas A&M. His touchdown to interception ratio was very good, and he was 24th in yards passing in 2020. Uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback, four-star recruit out of high school. I like his arm strength. Uh, maybe he needs to work on his throwing technique. He's a little bit inaccurate with the deep ball, but he's a smart runner, decent composure under pressure, good internal clock. Um, he was a senior bowl MVP. When I watched him interview, I saw that he had kind of a calm demeanor. Um, talked about how he studied Brady and Breeze. Um, you know, and it, 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 he said how it showed, you know, how it improved in his game. And I think, I believe him. I mean, his stats reflected it his senior year. You can really tell he believes in himself and his abilities. I, I think, you know, his calmness and show, talking about his strengths. Just ultimately, I just want to say this about Kellen Mond is I think he would be an excellent backup quarterback in the league. I don't see him as starter material. You know, if, if the game's on the line, I think he's going to come in with a calm attitude and a confident attitude and help you stay in the game. So is he one of the more underrated guys? When it comes I, I put to him right about class? where he is. I, I wouldn't say he's underrated or overrated. Well, he's going to go on day two. I have a feeling that he's going to sneak into the third round and Another quarterback that's won a lot of games in the SEC. And it's another pet project of Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher had Jameis Winston. And then when he left Florida State, he kind of inherited Kellen Mond. And again, another guy that has started a lot of games since his freshman season. He's been in a lot of big games. And you mentioned the poise, the calmness. It's true. When he faced the big-time programs, when he faced you know Florida, LSU, Alabama, he did pretty well against those top teams and he stood tall and he took hits and he delivered accurate balls and at times you see that inconsistency from game to game you have to praise him uh, the fact that he was able to get it done against some of the bigger programs and uh, he's definitely like an individual that that has it upstairs and, and that's really important for a quarterback so I tend to agree with you I think he can be a very valuable backup quarterback in the NFL number seven I got Kyle Trask uh, quarterback from Florida uh, he's a senior he's 6'5 240 pounds uh, second in yards and number one in touchdown passes in 2020 
Um, he's a guy who gets the ball out quickly. He has a strong arm. He's unfazed by bad snaps. Average runner. Very good accuracy. Uh, sometimes poor decision making. One thing I noticed about him is like during the Heisman Trophy final presentation, he looked very angry. Um, and I also noticed, you know, when he was on the Dan Patrick show, he was very low energy and gave very short answers. He was the guy who was the backup to Derek King in high school. And, uh, you know, he was the backup for some time to Felipe Franks at Florida. I, I see a guy who's humble and is all business, but he's, he seems to have a little anger. It seems like he doesn't feel like he gets his, his, his credit where it's due. I love Kyle Trask's story. And you and I had a couple of beat writers on that, that covered Florida. I love his story, just where he came from, how he got a scholarship to go to the Gators. I mean, he is just, this is what it's all about. It's like for all those kids, don't give up. Who cares if you're a backup quarterback? You'll get your chance. And he got his shot when Franks went down and he became the starting quarterback. And he made the best out of it. I mean, you can make a case that he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner, but it's just, you know, one of the Alabama guys was going to get it. And so Trask didn't get a, I would say, a fair shake. But based on the numbers, he did everything that he was asked for. But I don't like him as a prospect as far as how he projects to, to the next level. You mentioned decision-making. And even if you take away that Oklahoma game at the end where he didn't have his weapons and he threw three picks, but it's the other games as well uh, during SEC play. He got away with so many interceptions. He got away with so many bad throws that in the NFL, defenses will punish him for it. He was lucky enough because he had Kyle Pitts and Trevon Grimes and Kadarius Toney. He had big-time weapons that kind of bailed him out. But a lot of the times, I just see him kind of throwing the ball up, hoping that his guy is going to come down with, with that football. His ball placement is very average, and ball placement usually translates into how accurate you're going to be in the NFL. He's late with a lot of his throws. He lacks that anticipation. Very rarely do I see him anticipating throws. You mentioned he has a strong arm. I think he has an average arm, to be honest with you. And because of an average arm strength, he's not going to be able to get away with some of those throws. I just I feel like sometimes in the end zone, sometimes over the middle, he's throwing the ball into like double, triple coverage. A lot of the times it seems to me that he doesn't know what coverage he's facing. So he doesn't know how to attack it. Lacks that mobility. So you have a big guy with an average arm that's not that accurate and that makes bad decisions. That That's not a good combination, to be honest with you. And I mean, his numbers are like fool's gold because I think Dan Mullen's offense just made him look a lot better than what he actually is. So when you take him out of that, the structure of that Florida Gators offense, I think he's going to fail miserably. Bad body language. And that also speaks volumes because, I mean, you need to remain calm and collected. And you have to be able to use some of that, you know, fire inside. But it seems to be, it seemed to affect them on the football field. I felt like a couple of times when he threw the uh, those picks uh, during the games, it affected him. Like, he was affected by it. Like, where did that defender come from? I didn't see that. His field vision is not where it should be. And I'm not trying to be down on Kyle Trask, but to me, he's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in I, this draft. I have class. to agree with you. 
Let's move on to Shane Buchel because you know how much I want to talk about him. Shane Buchel, uh, quarterback from SMU, he's a redshirt senior, 6'1", 207 pounds. Um, good, but not a great statistical quarterback, and I think that's why he kind of gets held down. Four-star recruit out of high school. Uh, he has good zip on his passes. He's got a great deep ball, good accuracy, good internal clock, good decision maker, very good technique. When he interviewed, I thought he gave very bland answers. Um, seems like a polite guy with low energy. You know, a guy who kind of seems calm around an interviewer, uh, doesn't get too tense. He, he isn't going to wow you like some of the guys we're about to talk about, but I, I think he's very solid. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if, if I were to, if I were to get that, you know, sort of guy, you know, who's sort of sitting in the middle of the pack that no one's really like, you know, talking about, I think this is the pick. Well, he played at Texas and he started early and then injuries occurred and then Sam Ellinger came in and, and took his job. Kind of the, the same situation with Philippe Franks and Kyle Trask, basically. Then Bouchelle transferred out, went to SMU, and that was a good move for him because he went to Sonny Dykes' offense. Sonny Dykes makes quarterbacks look a lot better than they are as well. I like Shane Bouchelle. I really do. I mean, a lot of things you mentioned, I'm not going to repeat them because I really agree with that. He has a quick release. He's decisive. I like those things. The one thing that really bothers me is that it's a first read type of thing. He's not working through those progressions. So I don't know if he's capable of doing that because he wasn't asked to do that at SMU. He's just throwing it to his first read. And at times it seems like he's just making that decision pre-snap. And when the defense changes and gives him a different look, that's when he puts the ball in harm's way, whether he throws that pick or it's nearly a pick. I mean, he's not a young guy. He's not 20 years old. So is he capable of that? But I think a team in the sixth or seventh round is going to take a chance on him and try to develop him because I think there are a lot. He's a good developmental type of quarterback, if you can use that word, because he started a lot of games. But you could do something with him. He has some of those tools that I would love to have on my team as a backup or a number three quarterback and see if he can develop. Shane Bichel is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in this draft, kind of my sleeper, you would say. I'm a fan, Ed. I'm right there with you. I mean, you have him at number six, a lot higher than most people, but I think I have him at seven or eight, ultimately. But um, like I said, I'm I'm a fan of Shane Bichel. Number five, we got Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. He's a redshirt sophomore, 6'4", 226 pounds. He's a bit of a one-year wonder, but he just, you know, he it's really not his fault. <laughs> he just hasn't had as many opportunities. Um, he has a 180 quarterback rating in 2019. Um, I, I don't care what level you're playing at. <laughs> 180 quarterback rating in Division One football <laughs> impresses me. Uh, Three-star recruit out of high school, mobile in the pocket, the reason why I have him at number five is I think his accuracy is a little overrated. He loves to try to stretch the field. Um, you know, he can flash that pinpoint accuracy with the deep ball at times. Um, you know, can really make great throws on the run. He's an excellent running quarterback. He's kind of a guy who tries to make the amazing play every time. You know, he, he will need to be in the right offense with the right offensive coordinator. Um, I, I like the way he moves his head and reads the field. Um, his ball placement needs to be better. You know, he's kind of a guy who will hold the ball and scramble before releasing the ball. Um, we've seen that be successful in the NFL, but um, it's it's probably not ideal. Um, he's got a good upbeat personality. 
you know, I, I wanted him to go into more depth about how the work he's doing to clean up his technique when he was asked about it. Um, he seemed to kind of give a very short answer in that. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I trust that, you know, in his mind, there's much more detail. He's a guy who's worked out with Deshaun Watson and Josh Dobbs. So um, worked out with the big guns. You know, there's one thing about Trey Lance that everybody kind of swears by is that he is really coachable. And for a young guy, for a guy to come into the NFL and you're kind of like a sponge, you're soaking it all in, maybe from a possible veteran quarterback who can give you a lot of knowledge, I'm kind of hinting maybe Atlanta would look in his direction because he would fit into Arthur Smith's offense. We know Matt Ryan is the entrenched starter, but you can learn so much from Matty Ice. I agree with everything you said in terms of the scouting report, in terms of like strengths and weaknesses. This is what I have on the laptop as well. The one thing that bothers me is his ball placement. Like it's so up and down. And again, ball placement is kind of, it gives you an idea of how accurate this player is going to be. But he is 20 years old. He's got all those physical tools. He takes care of the football. I don't care where you play, like you said, whether it's FCS level or FBS level. When you throw 28 touchdowns in a season and zero picks, and on film, you don't see him putting the ball in harm's way. A lot of it has to do with the scheme, but a lot of it has to do with his decision making. So he knows how to take care of the football. That's a huge thing for a quarterback in the NFL. You have to be able to not only make plays, you have to be able to take care of the football because usually whoever wins the turnover battle is the the team that comes out victorious. So Trey Lance has it all. And I don't care about that last game against, you know, it was like Central Arkansas, right? I mean, I really don't care. It's like a one-game showcase that didn't really show me anything to be honest with you i mean it was a guy that was pressing in that game he wanted to be great he wanted to show himself off because it was his only game during the season and it didn't turn out well but you know they still won the game he still showed some guts he he battled through it even though it was not a pretty performance by his means i'm all in on trey lance just because of that personality He's a quieter guy, but there's something burning inside. And the things that you hear about him, that he's very coachable, that he's just like a sponge, that he's a smart guy. And imagine this. I mean, this guy wasn't even recruited to play quarterback by a lot of FBS programs. They wanted him to be a safety or be a defensive back. And that's crazy to me. And look at the type of career or that one season that he had at North Dakota State. I'm a big fan of Trey Lance. I always root for small school guys, but I can see Lance outplaying some of the quarterbacks that you will have later on on your list. Number four, I got Justin Fields, uh, quarterback for Ohio State. I like his toughness in the postseason. Um, You know, he took a shot in the ribs and he had a thumb injury. Played through that. He's a true junior. 6'3", 228 pounds. Two-year starter, 2,100 yards passing and 22 touchdown passes. One of the top two recruits in the country, maybe number one. Uh, He can run fast, and he's a smart runner with the ball in his hands. Uh, Mobile inside the pocket as well. You know me, I'm I'm not big on comparisons, but really, I see Cam Newton in this guy. He can deliver the deep ball. Has the accuracy and distance throwing to go routes. Um, I do have some questions about his internal clock. I think it needs to be quicker. 
Um, seems to be a team first guy. Has a, has a good attitude about playing hurt. You know, and just one thing that I noticed was he was very polite to women reporters. I think that says something about his character. You know, as crazy as this sounds, like Justin Fields put up huge numbers the last two seasons at Ohio State, but out of the the top five guys, he's got more question marks as a passer. He's going to succeed as a runner early on because, I mean, you see that. I mean, you compared him to Cam Newton. It's a fair comparison, but you also see flashes of like Lamar Jackson because he's got that speed, that acceleration to go from zero to 60 really quickly when he pulls it down. And he also has that Josh Allen type of feel because when you and I scouted Josh Allen, there were a number of times that he wasn't going down on first contact. The first defender was unable to bring him down, and we see that in the NFL as well. Justin Fields' lower body is really strong. I mean, he's almost like a linebacker. I mean, you hit him, and you can't bring him down. And that's going to serve him well in the NFL as well. He's a strong guy. He's built really well. I have question marks about his mechanics, but that's something you can fix. His ability to reset with his feet. It's just simple stuff. I think quarterback's coach is going to be able to work with him. Obviously, he's got a strong arm. He's got an accurate deep ball. But I have question marks about his field vision. I mean, that's probably my biggest thing. He's so locked in on that number one receiver. He's trying to go for that big play that sometimes he just... He doesn't go for the check down. He doesn't go and hit that receiver on a crossing route or a slant that's wide open. I don't think he even sees that for some reason. A quarterback, I mean, you have to be able to read the field well, and he's not there yet in terms of like reading coverage, in terms of throwing it with anticipation. He doesn't go through his progressions. I mean, it's just not the type of offense that he ran. Is kind of a first read a lot of the times. He's capable of doing it, but he's just not comfortable there. A lot of question marks out there, but I am surprised because I know you're a big fan of the running quarterback. I am surprised, to be honest with you, that you have Justin Fields lower than well, Mac Jones. Well, I mean, uh, that kind of gets us into our next thing is I, I, I've really learned to love Mac Jones. Um, I guess you're not alone. There are a lot of people that love Mac Jones, right? I mean, Carolina probably would have been all in on him if they didn't make the trade that we'll talk about later on in the show um, because they were exposed to him at the Senior Bowl. It sounds like the 49ers, or at least Kyle Shanahan, is in love with Mac Jones. So you're not alone in in the room. Obviously, a lot of people have fallen in love with him. Yeah, I mean, I'll just give you my scouting report. Uh, He's he's a junior. He's 6'3", 214 pounds. You know, had one and a half years of starting. Uh, Three-star recruit out of high school. He's got a good internal clock and makes good decisions. That's what I really like about him. And that's why I kind of see him in a Bill Belichick offense or Josh McDaniels offense. Um, He has a short and compact throwing motion. He reads the whole field. He doesn't stare down the receivers. He has good accuracy in ball placement, is technical with his ball placement, makes quick decisions, and knows how to keep up the tempo of the offense. We'll try to make the challenging throw. He's a pro-style quarterback, has the footwork down for a quarterback. Uh, he's very intelligent quarterback on and off the field, um, can fit passes into tight windows. Um, on to you know, how he interviews, he answered questions about Nick Saban calmly. He kind of laughed and calmly said, you know, he can't tell in here what his favorite Nick Saban stories, but 
he he really showed like a very a very confidence in his interview it was kind of like he he kind of alluded to the fact that you know he kind of gives the the you know the smart aleck answers to 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 Nick Saban and you know Nick Saban kind of gives it back to him you know being Nick Saban and you know it just shows that he's kind of a little bit of, he's got a little bit of that moxie to be talking that way to Nick Saban to have that familiarity he's definitely probably earned Nick Saban's respect and um, you know that goes a long way for me and I think uh, another thing about him is he's got a good humble I think he has a logical attitude towards success I think he's very smart so yeah there's a lot of things I like about him and I think there's a lot of teams that would love to work with him. Well, he's accurate. He has very good ball placement. He reads the field well. And he, he understands where to go with the football. And uh, the only question mark is, I mean, at Alabama, obviously, they were better than most teams. He was always surrounded by great talent. If you take him away from the Alabama team and insert him on the San Francisco 49ers at this point, how great is he going to be? That's probably the question mark. I mean, obviously Kyle Shanahan believes that in his offense, he believes that, you know, Mac Jones with with him having that IQ, knowing where to go with the football, he obviously believes that he can make it work. But do you take a player number three overall because you think he could be the next Kirk Cousins? Now, I guess that's the question I'm I'm posing to you. You don't take a quarterback number three overall to get a Kirk Cousins. So obviously Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers believe that Mac Jones's ceiling is a lot higher. What are we talking? Are we talking about Tom Brady? In my opinion, I mean, he is closer to Kirk Cousins, and Cousins was a, a fourth-round pick. Yeah, when this he is came. the way I put it. Um, it's it's very hard to to find a quarterback who can really fit into an up-tempo offense, and that's exactly what Mac Jones can do. I mean, he can he can be quick. With the ball, he can make quick decisions. He can make, you know, you get yourself some fast receivers, um, you know, some quick running backs, and you know, you want to have that high tempo offense. I actually think this guy can be a stat producer in the NFL. Another thing that I love about Mac Jones is just his anticipation. I mean, just his ability to throw the ball before the receiver comes out of his break. Doesn't have a strong arm. And therefore, he needs to be accurate, and he needs to throw it with anticipation. I mean, a lot of college quarterbacks don't understand that until they're exposed to the NFL. Mac Jones is already ahead of the curve, considering that he only started 17 games during his career. Basically a one-year starter if it wasn't for a two-way injury and where he started a few games during his sophomore season. Is he better than Tua? I mean, for all the praise that we heard about Tua, right, coming into the draft, not from us. You remember, I wasn't a big fan of Tua. Tried to critique him as much as I could. Mac Jones is a more advanced passer. I understand why some teams are fascinated by him just because of they, they understand that he can absorb the playbook. Even though we talked about it last week, that you believe Justin Fields is going to be the third overall pick for the 49ers, right now it seems like you have gone over to the other side and you can see why you hear those whispers about Mac Jones going well, to San Well, I'm just saying if I can install the right offense for Mac Jones, I mean, this could be like a 
you know, you know, a high tempo offense. And I mean, that is very hard to defend. You know what I'm saying? I know this today's NFL, there's a lot of commercials and, you know, these guys will be able to get their wind. But that was really one of the reasons why Alabama dominated so much is that, uh, you know, with Devonta Smith and Najee Harris and Mac Jones, they were just able to just do things faster than everybody else. I, I really think that game speed, that decision making, that you know that intelligence that quickness i uh, i really think that can that can just you know outbeat the competition if you have the right offense for him all right let, let's hope he goes to san francisco then uh, so he can become a good quarterback in this league all right we're getting into the top two well, surprise number me two here. is actually going to be trevor lawrence and uh this is a high two this is not a this is not a i think badly of trevor lawrence this is i think highly of the number one he's a junior six six 220 pounds three years of production he's got 3153 passing yards in 2021 five-star recruit out of high school he was up there with justin fields good zip on his passes good ball placement has a commanding presence of the tempo of the offense Looks very mature and like a leader on the field. Has the arm strength to throw the deep ball. Has great arm talent with great accuracy. And he has a calm and confident personality that teams want. If you want to design a perfect quarterback, isn't this Trevor Lawrence? Because, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the arm strength, he's got the athleticism, he's got dual threat ability. This is basically like Justin Herbert plus. I mean, I, 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 right? I actually like him better than Justin Herbert. This is the one thing that we kind of get carried away with. When people start saying that Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect, your expectations are through the roof. And then you turn on the film and you're like, mm, there's some games that you're like left wanting more because this guy was supposed to dominate every throw, every pass. He's supposed to be accurate. You're going to be left a little bit disappointed because if you start with watching the film and saying this is a generational type of prospect, that's why when I turn on the film, I just, this is Trevor Lawrence. That's it. It's like a clean slate. I don't care what other people are saying out there. I just, I want to see what Trevor Lawrence can do. So my expectations are a lot lower. Like I'm not looking at him as a generational type of prospect. I'm not looking at him as a John Elway or an Andrew Luck. All right, that's insane expectations, and it's really unfair to a to a young guy who's coming into the league, and he still needs to learn. He still needs to read coverages better. He also has to improve his field vision at times. I feel like there are a couple of times that he's not picking up that safety or that linebacker when he's staring his wide receiver down, and you know he's throwing that interception. But I do think that Trevor Lawrence throughout his career. He has gotten better. Usually a guy comes in, he has all this God-given ability as a freshman, and then he took a step back a little bit as a sophomore, but then he improved again as a junior. So when you see that, you, it gives you hope that this isn't a finished product, that he can get better with NFL coaching. Obviously, he's going to go to Jacksonville at number one, and it's going to be a good marriage between him and Urban Meyer. He is my number one quarterback just because you look at everything that he brings to the table, all of his physical tools, and then you combine that he's a leader, he's a good kid, you know, he loves football. And so those things, when you combine everything together, there's no way you can go wrong with Trevor Lawrence. Let's not talk about, again, generational type of prospect. Let's see what happens, whether he can be the next, you know, 
Peyton Manning or or at least Andrew Luck. Give him time. You know, even if he struggles the first couple of games, let's not call him a bust. Give him time. There are some weaknesses in his game as well, just like everybody else. All right. You and I debated this off the air. We've had many talks. Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, who you're going to take number one. Well, you decided to... To go with your yeah, boy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just really love Zach Wilson. He's a quarterback from BYU. He's a junior, 6'3, 210 pounds, three years of production, 3,692 yards passing, 33 touchdowns. He was only a three star recruit out of high school. Has a very strong arm, can fit passes into tight windows, accurate to all areas of the field. Became a good decision maker in his career. Can extend plays with his feet and make things happen. Shades of Patrick Mahomes. I'm raving. Rumor that he's very arrogant and knows he seems to be, you know, kind of a know-it-all. You know, that's what they say. I see him as a very humble guy in interviews. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, He's a pure football guy. Says that about himself. I believe him. And he did some charity work with BYU. This is my guy. This is who I'm going to go with. I love Zach Wilson as well. But I'll play a little devil's advocate just for the sake of the show. All right, so he has some durability concerns. He had that shoulder surgery on his throwing arm. And therefore, he wasn't guaranteed to be a starter his junior year. But he came in, worked hard, became the starter, and had his best season. Broke out during that junior year. So let's be fair there. He showed flashes, you know, during his first two seasons but wasn't nearly the player that he was during that junior year. One-year wonder. And when you turn on the film against Washington in 2019, there were so many balls. He was just risky. He was making some bad decisions out there. And Washington didn't make him pay. He should have thrown like four or five picks in that game. Against Coastal Carolina, the only legitimate defense that he faced during 2020. And Coastal Carolina gave him fits. I mean, that front seven just took it to him, and he was bothered by it. He was bothered by pressure, and he didn't make good decisions in that game. And they were still in position to win the game at the end, but still, there, there were times that he was rattled by that. So it makes you think, I mean, with the New York Jets offensive line, what is it going to look like? So I'm just playing a little devil's advocate there. You, you basically are putting Zach Wilson in the Hall of Fame already, based off your scouting report. I just wanted to kind of bring him down to earth a little bit because there are weaknesses as well. This is in how his I game. see it, Alex. If I'm a GM of a football team, you know, I don't I don't want to be good. I want to be great. And I want a quarterback who can win games for me and be my guy. Be that guy who's going to scramble, buy time, make the amazing play, make all the throws, execute all the plays. I believe in Zach Wilson. I believe he has the determination to do this. And I think he's going to win Super Bowls for me. I think he's going to compete with guys like Patrick Mahomes in the league. I think he's going to make my team a perennial contender, building my team around him. And that's how I'm going to win Super Bowls. All right. Obviously, the Jets agree cold-heartedly with you. And and uh, we'll talk about the, the trade that... It kind of shook up the the NFL a little bit, a little bit later. But before we move on, I've already mentioned who my most overrated guys are, underrated or sleepers. I've already kind of mentioned that. I want to hear from you. Who are some of your guys who are overrated, underrated, and give us a sleeper. Okay, well, my sleeper is uh, Brady White, which uh, 
you know, probably shouldn't surprise you too much. Uh, I just thought he, he was really part of a good offense in Memphis. I mean, my underrated guys are Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Shane Buchel. My overrated guys are Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger, and Jamie Newman. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You didn't have Sam Ellinger or Jamie Newman in your top 10. Obviously, you you believe that those guys are, are vastly yeah. overrated. With Sam Ellinger, I mean, just in a nutshell, I just really liked him as a young quarterback. And then I just didn't see the development. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't see the improvement. I still saw poor decision-making late in his career. I, I'm, I'm not big on Sam Ellinger. Jamie Newman, he's a running quarterback, and that's that's good. But sometimes that pure running quarterback, I mean, it's just, you know, when you say dual threat, you got to be a dual threat. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to... You gotta, you gotta scare me both ways, and you know Jamie Newman's also a little bit of one-year wonder. Speaking of one-year wonders, and he is. He only started for one year, but he's got a strong arm. He throws an accurate deep ball. There's just not anything else that he offers. He's not that accurate in the short intermediate game. His decision making is also a question mark. So I, I agree with you. I agree with you on on both of those quarterbacks. All right, so obviously Ed has Zach Wilson as his number one quarterback. I like Zach Wilson as well. He's my number two guy behind Trevor Lawrence. Obviously the New York Jets, they agree. And they decided to unload Sam Darnold. They traded him to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth round pick this year. And then they gave up a second and a fourth in 2022 so they get three draft picks for Sam Darnold what do you think of this move obviously it I think the the writing is on the wall that the Jets are going all in for Zach Wilson at number two they're committed to him he's going to be their quarterback you asked me off the air why aren't they trading Sam Darnold and I told you just be patient it's coming I think it's going to be closer to the draft or maybe during the draft Obviously, they decided to do this deal. So who wins this deal? Is it a win-win situation? I do kind of see it as a win-win situation because I think if you're the Panthers, I mean, you get to experiment with Sam Donald. You know what I'm saying? You get to see, you know, was it, was it, you know, just the failures of Adam Gase or, you know, is Sam Donald just not the guy? And then I think if you're the Jets, you know, you, you you get to move on, you get to get Zach Wilson, and then and then you know you get some draft picks, you know, you get some you get some picks so you can, uh, you know, you get an extra second round pick, you know, in next year's draft. So I mean, you can continue to build this team. And I mean, if you're the Jets, I mean, I, w- I want to accumulate some draft picks so that I can build around uh, my guy. You know, maybe if I'm the Jets, I really want to continue to solidify that offensive line around Zach Wilson, and then you know, try to try to build something, try to build something, you know, because I mean, the Jets are still going to be rebuilding. And I, I mean, I just, I hope that I have enough talent around Zach Wilson that he doesn't lose his confidence. Well, we'll see if Zach Wilson is going to be different. I mean, we listened to some of those interviews and he is a confident guy. And I think he's not going to be phased by New York media. A lot of guys are phased by that. You know, when they asked Zach Wilson about New York, he said, I have family from around New York. I've been there a few times. So, I mean, there's the connection. I, I actually think, you know, for, for a Utah guy, uh, you know, Zach Wilson is a guy who could fit in a place like New York. I have no doubt about it. He's a confident guy and he watches a lot of football. He lives and breathes football and he committed 
uh, during the, the summer of this year when COVID was happening, he became a better quarterback. He worked with John Beck, and you, you could see that commitment, and he had a good year. Even against a soft schedule, and I have to admit that it was a soft schedule for the most part, but still, uh, you have to get in there, you have to do the work, and he certainly uh, became a, a big-time player during his junior year. So I have no doubt that he can succeed for the New York Jets if they surround him with those weapons. Because Sam Darnold also had a lot of hype as a 20-year-old draftee. He was drafted a third overall pick. His owner was talking about how he's going to become the next Joe Namath. That he was going to bring a championship, a Super Bowl. Well, three years later, they move on from him. The Adam Gase effect. He didn't get better. The injuries. He didn't have any weapons. This is really important, Ed. We always talk about why are some guys succeeding and why some guys aren't. Because you have the team around you. Josh Allen had the team around him. Sam Darnold did not. He didn't have the offensive line. He didn't have the weapons. And when he got the connection with Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson decided to move on in free agency and sign in Carolina. So they get reunited. He gets reunited with his, you know, a guy that he likes to throw deep to. He has better weapons at Carolina. DJ Moore, David Moore, Robbie Anderson. And he's got Christian McCaffrey. I mean, can you imagine? He's got one of the best football players in the NFL. You know, when Teddy Bridgewater signed with the Carolina Panthers last year, he was hoping Christian McCaffrey was going to be in his backfield. Well, he was injured for most of the year. Christian McCaffrey comes back and he's healthy. It's going to serve Sam Darnold really well. And he's got Matt Rule. We saw at the Senior Bowl how he was coaching guys up. I mean, he's really like, he pays attention to details. They've got Joe Brady, who worked a miracle for Joe Burrow and made him the number one overall pick. And now we'll see if he can do the same thing with Sam Darnold. So the surrounding cast around Sam Darnold at Carolina is vastly a lot better than what he had in New York during those three years. So I'm not like making excuses for Sam Darnold. It's just, it's a fact. If Sam Darnold can't get it done in Carolina, then that's it. I mean, you can just file him away. Just get rid of him and that's it. But I have a feeling he's going to have a good year under Joe Brady. And I think he's going to prove to the entire world that he's a much better quarterback than what he has shown during his three years. So don't give up on Sam. I, just have, I have a question Ed. for you. What do you do with Teddy Bridgewater now? Well, I think Teddy Bridgewater, you have to get rid of him. He's not going to accept like a backup job. And you're basically saying we traded for Sam Darnold, three picks for Sam Darnold. We believe he's the entrenched starter. You don't do that and then create controversy with both guys and let the best guy win in training camp. They've already talked to his agent, from what I understand. They've given him permission to seek trades, and I think that's the way they're going to go. I think Denver is a possibility. Denver just hired a GM that came from the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, he drafted Teddy Bridgewater when he was on staff with the Vikings, so he's very familiar with it. I think Teddy Bridgewater would be... A good fit with Denver, and then you can let him battle it out with Drew Locke and in, in training camp. I, I I agree with you know trading Teddy Bridgewater, but I, I mean if you're the Broncos, I mean at the same time, I don't know. I mean if I'm the Broncos, I, I think I want to draft a guy. You know if a guy falls to me, I mean I want I want to take him. You know, if, I mean if if Trey Lance falls to me, 
I'm going to take a hard thought, you know, drafting Trey Lance. In fact, if I'm if I'm the Bron, I mean, the Broncos have a very good roster. It's just a question of a quarterback and. So maybe you open up some competition with Drew Locke. I mean, maybe you say, you know, Drew Locke be the be the favorite to start, and then you know you give you give uh, Trey Lance an opportunity. So I don't know. I don't know if Denver is the is the option. I just wonder if maybe just a team that needs a backup might be the best option for Teddy Bridgewater. Unless Denver moves up, Ed, I don't think they're going to get a chance at the quarterback at number nine. Look, we all know top three quarterbacks are going to be drafted. We know Lawrence Wilson and most likely Mac Jones is going to go to San Francisco. And then you have Atlanta at number four. And that's a huge question mark. With the new GM, with the new coaching staff, they know that they can win. They have the weapons there, but they also have to think about the future. So Trey Lance or Justin Fields could be a possibility there at four. And that means if four quarterbacks go with those top four picks that means Denver has to wait to number nine but we all know that there are a few teams that might jump them or Carolina can you imagine like Carolina just traded for Sam Darnold but their GM has stated that we're not out of the quarterback if a right quarterback falls to us at number eight we'll take him can you imagine if Justin Fields falls to number eight what's Carolina gonna do Like, they just traded Teddy Bridgewater. We'll say they traded Teddy Bridgewater. They have Sam Darnold, and they're like, hmm, we've got a shot at Justin Fields here. Why not? Why not draft him for the future? Even if Sam Darnold has a good year, I still have a rookie quarterback that I could have on a rookie deal. I don't think Denver is going to have an opportunity to pick a quarterback at nine. I just think if they want a quarterback, they have to give up their entire draft. And they don't have the picks in order to move up somewhere, whether it's to five with the Bengals or or maybe Atlanta at number four. That's the only way that they're going to get their guy. They're going to have to be aggressive to go from nine I, to four I, or I just, five. Just my, my gut tells me that, that Carolina is going to go defense. I don't know why. I just, I just feel like that's what Matt Rule is into. But like I said, how can you pass on a quarterback knowing that even if you like Sam Darnold, then there were rumors that there was some interest with the New York Jets and Matt Rule, and uh, he was interested in coaching Sam Darnold. So there's a connection there. They like each other. But can you imagine if, I'm just throwing it out there, if Sam Darnold has a good year in Carolina in 2021, but then what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to extend him. You're going to have to give him a big contract. Because this is what it's all about. If a quarterback has a good year, even if it's only one good year, you're going to have to give him that huge bloated contract and you're going to be committed to him for the next seven or eight years. And then Joe Brady, if Sam Darnold has a good year, your offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, is going to get a head coaching job in 2022. He's not going to be around. So you're going to have to bring in a new offensive coordinator. How is that going to work out? Here you have a rookie quarterback possibly, Maybe Trey Lance, maybe Justin Fields at eight. Why not take him? Because you know you're going to have him on a on a rookie deal for the next four years. You can save yourself so much cap space, and you can fix that defense. You can get a winning team. You can get into the playoffs. Not in 2021, but maybe 2022. This is what these teams are thinking about. They want to win now, but they're also thinking about the future. I mean, Matt Rule has like a, what, eight-year contract or something like that? He's not going anywhere. So he's thinking about the future, how to put the best team on the field. 
Now, I just think that has to cross the front office mind. That has to cross Matt Rule's mind. Yes, they made the trade for Darnold, but if the right quarterback falls there and we like him at eight, why not go for it? I, I just, That's my thinking. I, I kind of have the opposite feeling. I, I feel like when you get when you acquire Sam Darnold, you tell Sam Darnold, this is your second chance. You're the man. At least give him a year to know he's the man. Uh, if he doesn't show up that year, then you know, then you think about drafting a quarterback. Why not spend time building your roster? You know what I'm saying? Because that was the problem in New York was they didn't build the roster for him. Well, they already have a, a much better roster in, in Carolina than than what Sam Darnold had with, with the Jets. I mean, that's there's no question about him. I wish Sam Darnold all the best. I hope he succeeds there. The situation is too perfect, like too good to be true. And he's only 23 years old, Ed. He was the prospect. I mean, that was considered to be a very good draft class, and he was supposed to be number one. Yeah, for the longest time, he was supposed to be that number one quarterback that the Cleveland Browns were going to go to, but... Obviously, they fell in love with Baker Mayfield at the Senior Bowl, and that was the end of the story. If Sam Darnold can't get it done in Carolina with those key pieces and with Christian McCaffrey being in the backfield, might as well just write him off and let him ride off into the sunset and find another career because it's certainly not going to be quarterback in the NFL. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bloodscast. Take care, everyone.